greet each one of you this morning in the worthy name of Jesus, the precious name of Jesus, and appreciate each of you being here this morning. One of the things that I have enjoyed about this week, we live in Bowmansville, and so we drive up 897 coming up through, and this is a beautiful time of the year to be on the road, and observing the creation that God has blessed us with, with the beauty of nature, and so while it has been a busy week, and it has been stretching and stressful, and all that that goes along with it, as all of you have experienced it as well. I've enjoyed those evenings of the driving and just observing the creation, seeing the deer in the fields, a different thing. Grateful that they are darting across in front of me and not really, really close where I get worried. But just uh, observing the creation of God has been a blessing of the week. One of the uh, practices of my wife and I is that we enjoy our cup of coffee together in the morning. So we, we enjoy getting up, we enjoy sitting down, I should say we enjoy sitting down with a cup of coffee. I'm not sure if we always enjoy getting up, but we enjoy sitting together and uh, having a cup of coffee. And so we've developed this routine. We have this wonderful machine in our house called a coffee maker, and it has this amazing feature on it called auto start. And so we put the grounds and the water in the night before, and we push auto start, and when the alarm goes off in the morning, there's that wonderful aroma of coffee already drifting throughout the house and we get to sit down and have a cup of coffee together. And that, that feature of auto start is just, I, I love it. It's just wonderful. But it's only as good as the preparation that happens the night before of putting coffee in, putting the water in, putting the grounds in, putting the water in. I can push auto start the night before, but if I don't do the preparation of putting the grounds and putting the water in, I just have a, a hot craft in the morning with no coffee in it. So we've developed this habit of making sure we put the coffee on the night before. Or maybe I should say, I've developed a habit of making sure the coffee is on, and my wife's developed a habit of making sure she asks me, did you put coffee on? So we work together like that very well. But we have this, this wonderful opportunity of enjoying coffee together in the morning. I'd like us to think a little bit about here, in the opening of the message, about the, the, the amazing brain that God has given us the brain that God has placed inside of our heads, that the way he has designed, the way he has designed our bodies, and the way he has designed our brains. I like to think about just some of the things that go along with our brains. I am by no means a doctor. I'm not an expert on the brain. Um, some reading that I've done here recently, I've had the opportunity of some very smart people breaking it down into somewhat that I can understand. But I like to think about this idea of what they call neuroplasticity of the brain. And basically, simply what that means is that you can train your brain to do different things. You can train and you can teach your brain. Neuroplasticity has the idea that as you do certain motions, as you do certain activities, there's things happening in your brain which develops pathways in your brain. It makes it easier to do it the next time. Just as, think of it this way, the very first time that we drove up here on Monday evening, I used Google Maps to make sure I knew how to get here. I didn't need it after that. Once I had driven it one time, my brain saw the flow of the, the roads and where to turn and where to stop and all this and that. That then I was able to remember that till the next evening. By now, it comes very natural. Although there's still one place I want to turn to one road that's not the right road. I don't know why every evening I've done that. I come and I took the blinker on, nope, that's not the right road. It's the next one. Maybe I've trained my brain that that's the right road and I haven't gotten it figured out yet that it's the wrong one. I know it's the wrong one, but we have this opportunity of programming and reprogramming our brain. 
They say every time you do something, every time you do an activity, you do a thought, you, do a, a, you have a sensation or something, there's these neurons in your brain that are activated. And as those neurons are activated, they form a connection. And they form what they call a synaptic link. I apologize for all the, the detailed jargon here. I, I find it somewhat fascinating. But the idea is, is that when that synaptic link is first formed, it's very weak. It's very small. But as that action or that thought or that process or that sensation happens again, that link strengthens. It grows stronger. And eventually, it grows so strong that things happen that you do things without even thinking about it because you formed a habit. You formed a habit. Some people, I, I've heard described this way. Think of it as you go out through the woods um, and you blaze a trail for the first time. You've, nobody has ever walked this pathway before. And so you blaze that trail for the first time. All you leave behind you is a couple of footprints, a couple of trodden down branches or leaves or grass or whatnot. Very hard to follow. But not long after that, you go that path again and that becomes a little bit more trodden down. You go it again, it becomes more and more trodden down. As you continue to do that, that pathway becomes very well worn and very obvious. And maybe after a while, there's more people that start walking that pathway and it starts to grow wider where it's no longer just a single footpath, but now two people can walk side by side. And eventually, maybe a whole bunch of people are walking that pathway and it gets very wide to now you can drive a four-wheeler on it. And after you've driven a four-wheeler on it for a while, the path continues to widen because now after a while, four-wheels have to pass each other and now you can drive an entire vehicle on it. That's the idea of going from starting with one action to where you have eventually come to an entire habit where you don't even think about it. The coffee gets put on every night and you have coffee in the morning. It's a habit that has formed. The inverse of that is very true as well, that if you abandon that habit, if you stop going that pathway, stop using that road through the woods, eventually it's going to grow back in, the vegetation's gonna come back and it's gonna close back in and you won't be able to find it again. The power of habits, the power that we have, that God has built into our brains where we can train, where we can use our brains in very constructive or in very negative and destructive ways as well. So now, thinking about our brain, the way that God has developed it, the way God has made it, this idea of forming habits, neuroplasticity, those synaptic links getting strong, forming habits, we can now go from here in this message two directions. We can take it where we can talk about the importance of forming good habits, the importance of forming spiritual habits that, that train our hearts, that lead us to God, or we could talk about the negative side of it where we want to ensure that we discontinue those negative things, those bad ideas, those bad thoughts that come into our, our minds, those bad activities, those negative things that we wrestle with, the importance of stopping them right away before they form into a strong habit. So we can go either way with it. I'm choosing this morning to go the way of positive, the way of thinking of using what God has given us in developing habits, harnessing, leveraging that power for the good of our Christian walk, spiritual disciplines, developing spiritual disciplines. Join me in 1 Timothy chapter 4 for a text this morning. The title of the message is Developing Spiritual Disciplines. 1 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to read the entire chapter, verses 1 through 16.
And while we're really going to be working from the, the bookends of the, of the chapter, verse, the beginning and the end, we want to get a context of all that's flowing through, what all that Paul is telling Timothy here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast, refer re thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godly godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in, so, in doing this thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. Paul opens this chapter here in verse 1, with some very troubling words. He says, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. I know it's our heart's desire, it's your heart's desire, as it is mine, that that may not be said of you, that that may not be said of me, that in the latter times I would depart from the faith. And I know that it's probably as it is in your heart, it's a concern of my heart how we observe this around us. We observe us very, this, this departing from the faith, the reality of this very close to us sometimes in our family and our friends and different ones of walking away from what they have been taught, from walking away from God's Word and getting tied up in all different types of doctrines, all different types of lies and hypocrisy and whatnot as, as Paul goes on to tell us. So how do we ensure that this isn't our lot in life? How do we ensure that we are not going to lose our way in the latter times? I don't know if we are living in the latter times. I think it's safe to say we're closer than we were before. I don't know where, we, where we're at on that spectrum of the latter times, but I do know that it's a concern of mine of the walking away of the faith. And how do I ensure that, that, that I am not missing the mark? How do I ensure that I am not being deceived as Paul talks about here? I want to highlight two verses of what Paul talks about, what Paul lays out, which I believe are key to us ensuring that we keep the faith, that we don't lose out in the latter times. Verse 7, Paul says, To refuse profane old wives' fables and to exercise thyself rather to godliness. 
And then if we jump down to verse 16, he says, Taking heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. Those two verses had a very similar idea of developing spiritual disciplines, developing spiritual habits in our lifestyle, in the things that we are doing, and doing them regularly. Now I want to clarify one thing before we go on here. This idea that we're talking about this morning assumes a relationship with Jesus. We can go through the motions, we can do all the right things, we can say all the right things, do all the right actions, but without a relationship with Jesus, it is not worth anything. We're just going through the motions. So what we're talking about this morning in spiritual disciplines, I am assuming a relationship of Jesus is already in place. And this message is to the church. This message is to the Christian who is striving to ensure that they do not in the latter times depart from the faith. That as that persecution that we talked about, that suffering that we talked about comes our way, as that potentially comes our way in the generations ahead or in our generation yet, who knows when that may happen, how that may happen, that we don't lose the faith, that we don't walk away, that we don't become deceived and turn aside from the gospel message. Exercise thyself to godliness. Now when I read that statement that Paul says, he says to exercise yourself to godliness, I get, this, I get this idea in my mind that Paul is telling us to develop an exercise routine in godliness, toward godliness. I'm not a weightlifter, I'm not a bodybuilder, I'm not one who, who has been involved in that. I do enjoy exercise, I enjoy getting the opportunity to get fresh air and get exercise, get your heart rate up. But I think the idea of exercising an exercise routine is that it's consistent, it's regular. It happens whether you feel like it or whether you don't because you have a goal in mind. You have somewhere, something that you want to attain, whether if you're, whatever it may be, you have a goal in mind. Our goal in our Christian life is to ensure that in the latter days we are not going to lose the faith. We're not going to walk away from the doctrines of God's Word. And so Paul is telling us if you don't want that to be your lot in life, if you don't want it to walk away and lose the faith, exercise yourself unto godliness. And then he says in verse 16, he says to take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine, and he says to continue in them. That has the same idea of an exercise routine. Continue in them where you have developed disciplines, where you have developed spiritual habits, and you're doing them over and over and over again with the goal of ensuring that when you reach the end of life, you have not been deceived and lost the faith. Developing spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits, continue in them. I'm convinced that if we are going to survive in the latter times, if we're going to survive the onslaught of evil that is coming our way, that we see already on the horizon, we are going to need to have developed spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits to keep us rooted and grounded in God's Word, to keep us knowing where we stand, knowing what we believe, Developing those spiritual, daily, weekly, consistent habits that bring us before God in a focused and intentional way. This is not a, a novel idea that I'm about to say. It's just a reality of the human race is that we do not drift towards God. Left to ourselves, we do not drift towards holiness. We do not drift towards God. It takes intentional work. You could say the same thing in our physical health, our physical body. 
left to ourselves, we do not drift towards physical health, good physical health. It takes maintaining. It takes work to be in good physical health. This morning, we want to think about the idea of developing spiritual disciplines, developing spiritual habits that draw our hearts to God, draw our minds to God. I've been using this term of spiritual disciplines or spiritual habits, and I want to this is what I'm thinking of. I want to give a definition or idea of what I'm thinking of. It's a spiritual or a religious action or a behavior that is performed routinely or regularly. An action or a behavior that is formed routinely or regularly. A spiritual habit, a spiritual discipline, a spiritual routine. If you want to use a word that has a lot of negative baggage with it, I'm talking about spiritual rituals. Things that we do regularly to lead our hearts to God, to put us before God, spiritual disciplines. Gary Miller, in his book, Surviving the Tech Tsunami, he says that while rituals, he used that, that word with all that baggage involved, he says while rituals have no inherent power of themselves, they provide essential structure to daily life. They provide essential structure to daily life. Spiritual rituals can also help us step out of the scurry, the daily scurry, and allow us to focus on the glory of God Himself. The result? We can slowly be changed into His image. We live in a very distracted age. We have so many, I don't know what you want to call them, the word slips in mind, of, of notifications that are popping up in front of us all the time. Be it on your phone, be it on your, the radio, whatever it might be. There's a, it's a very, we live in a very distracted age where things are continually being bombarded our way that occupies, that captivates our mind. I believe it's important that as a Christian, we structure our lives. We have intentional, structural time, intentional time that brings us before God. This is what Paul is calling us to in this chapter. If we're going to survive in the latter days, we need to exercise spiritual disciplines. We need to exercise spiritual habits. So, is this idea of spiritual habits, of spiritual disciplines, is this a biblical idea? Is this things that, something that we find in the scriptures? I believe it is. Let's look carefully. A couple of verses here I'd like to, to pull out just to look for the routine, look for the the, the regularity that is talked about. Psalm 119, verse 164 says, Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. Why did the scripture specifically give the number seven? Why did the psalmist put that in there? Seven times a day do I praise thee because of the righteous number. I believe it's important that when there is a specific number like that or something like that in this scripture, it's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. This psalmist that had written this, this verse, this chapter, has identified a routine that seven times a day he intentionally gives praise to God for his righteous judgments. If we go on to Psalm 55 verse 17, it says, evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Again, specific incremental times of crying aloud before God. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud before God. A spiritual discipline, a habit, a time where he intentionally went before God in prayer. 
Acts chapter 3, where we're in, Acts, in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up to the temple to get, went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. A specific time of the day that was the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Clearly, there was a specific time of prayer where they went to the temple. They gathered together for prayer. You know, we might have, we might have a low view of the Muslim prayer call that it goes out very loudly in Muslim nations at a specific time of day, routinely and regularly throughout the day. But I wonder, where did they get that idea? Was it part of the Jewish culture back in Acts here, back in Jesus' time, that there was a specific time or times where they came together to pray? The idea of regular, routine, consistent actions to bring you to God, to bring your heart before God. Throughout the Old Testament, again, we're looking at this idea of spiritual disciplines. Is it a biblical concept? And I'm proposing, I'm, I'm suggesting to you it is. Throughout the Old Testament, God had laid out regular feasts, regular festivals, regular sacrifices that took place at specific times of day. Very routine, but it was for the purpose of drawing their hearts to God. It was for the purpose of reminding the people of who God is and drawing their hearts to God. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. We'll come back to 1 Timothy 4. So maybe keep your finger there. Very familiar verses in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Many times we, we look at these verses and we talk about them, we talk about the living sacrifice and being not conformed to this world and the transformed by the renewing of your mind. Very familiar verses, but how do we go about doing that? Remember what we talked about in the beginning with our, our brains, the way that we can watch, where we, we can program, where we can discipline our brains, we can train our, our brains into an activity or a habit. The renewing of the mind is a process through spiritual disciplines. Think about when, when, when this was written, the idea of a living sacrifice. Right away as we think about a sacrifice, we think about an action an activity that was done, that was performed regularly. It had a specific reason to do it. It had a specific time it was done. There were specific animals that were chosen for different reasons, but it was an action, it was an activity, and it was performed routinely and regularly. Romans, in, in chapter 1 here, in chapter 12, verse 1, he says, a living sacrifice. We are called to be a living sacrifice we are called to not be conformed to this world. We're called to transform our, our, our minds. I am suggesting to you that a living sacrifice is someone who routinely and regularly denies himself and immerses himself in spiritual disciplines, in spiritual habits for the purpose of not being conformed to the world, but for the transformation and the renewing of the mind. 
programming our brain, leading our brain, leading our heart before God through the activity of spiritual sacrifice, of spiritual habits, a living sacrifice. The mind is renewed through the denying of self, the sacrifice, the living sacrifice, denying of ourselves in developing and maintaining spiritual habits. Sacrificing our will and leading our hearts, leading our minds to godliness. Exercise yourself unto godliness. I'd like to spend the rest of the time here this morning thinking about what are some vital spiritual disciplines? What am I talking about with this idea of spiritual disciplines? Some very practical ideas that I have that I want to give to you. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4 again. In the idea of spiritual disciplines. 1 Timothy chapter 4, going back there again. In verse 13... Paul mentions one that I believe is very important. I'm sorry, verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13. He says, Till I come, give attendance to reading. Regular, consistent Bible reading. Spending time in the Word of God. Regular devotional life where you're spending time in the Word of God, spending your time, spending time reading God's Word is a, should be a fixed part of your life. It should be a habit. It should be something that you are doing regularly and that is happening as part of your Christian walk. A spiritual discipline for the end goal of not being led away, not being led astray, losing the faith in the, in the latter times. There was a time when within my work, my work hours fluctuated. And it was always tempting the mornings that I had to get up earlier to go to work that I would sleep as long as I could and then I would cut out or minimize my time in God's Word. I began to, I began to realize, like, this, is, this isn't right. This should be a priority in my life. And so I figured out a, a morning schedule of what would work well in the morning, how much time I need from the time I wake up to the time I need to leave for work. And that block of time, which ended up being about exactly one hour, that block of time was fixed. So if I need to leave for work at 5 o'clock, I got up at 4 o'clock. If I left for work at 6 o'clock, I got up at 5 o'clock. If I left for work at 7 o'clock, get up at 6 o'clock. That time was fixed. I did not change my, that morning time because I wanted to have the time to spend in God's Word. I wanted to have the time, still do, want to have the time to invest in God's Word, give attendance to reading. It was a consistent, it is a consistent part of my life. Now you, you might be sitting there saying or thinking in your mind, yeah, but that's so legalistic. It's just routine then. It means nothing. That's true. It might. But do we give up and do we forsake the activity simply because it is regular? Do we say it's not worthwhile simply because we do it regular? No, that's not the case. We dig deeper and we say, why am I not enjoying this? Why am I not finding value in spending time in God's Word? Why do I have to force myself to do it? And it's okay if you have to force yourself. It is part of life that sometimes we wrestle with finding the energy, finding the desire to dig into God's Word, but that doesn't mean we stop. That doesn't mean we lay it aside. We just dig deeper and we find a reason. We go to God's Word and we ask God, show us something this morning. Show me something in your Word this morning. Just a word, God. Maybe, maybe even study God's Word or read God's Word just looking for 
God, show me a verse on grace. Show me a verse on forgiveness. Show me a verse on love. God, show me a, a, a verse on a direction on what, I want, what you want me to do for my life. Go looking for something, not just to fill that block of time, but go looking for something in God's Word. But what I'm, what I'm calling you to, what I'm calling the church to this morning, is that it is a spiritual discipline. It is a habit that is fixed that we do every day, and we form that synaptic link in our brain where we're going to do it as an intentional time of drawing our hearts to God, providing that opportunity for God to speak to me. God doesn't speak in that time, but providing that time for God to speak to me. Think about it as preparing the table for a meal. You set the table, you put everything in order so that you can sit down and you can enjoy the meal. You provide that time of preparation, that is you forming that habit so that God can speak to you through His Word in that spiritual discipline of reading His Word. Don't stop just because it's a struggle, it's rough, or it gets old or it gets boring. Don't stop. Continue on. Not always do I feel like stopping for gas when my vehicle needs gas. I don't have the time. I don't feel like stopping for it. But if I don't stop to put gas in it, I'm not going to get where I want to go. If I don't put my energy and put my time into reading God's Word and staying rooted and grounded in God's Word, I will not arrive where I want to go at the end of life. Give attendance to reading, Paul says. In addition to that, in verse 15... Paul says to meditate upon these things, a spiritual discipline of meditation, meditating on God's Word. I heard of a brother that gave a very wonderful idea. He says at the end of the day, he just reads a verse, and as he lays down to go to sleep, he just mauls that verse over in his mind as he's drifting off to sleep. Read a verse and meditates on it at the end of the day. Other people, they find a verse in their reading that morning, they write it out and they put it on a sticky note and they take it with them for the day. And they meditate on it. The spiritual discipline of meditating on God's Word. Keeping it in our minds. Continually just, just thinking about it, processing it. What is God trying to say to me through this verse? The spiritual habit or the spiritual discipline of meditation. Another spiritual discipline that I believe is very important, is very vital, is the spiritual discipline of prayer. Spending time in prayer. Ephesians 6, 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Praying always. Spending time in prayer. Spending time before God in prayer. Crying out to Him. Adoring Him. Confessing to Him. Giving thanksgiving. Bringing supplications before God. Making it a habit. Making it a fixed part of your day. I am going to spend time in prayer, making it a specific time of day. Evening, morning, evening, morning, noon, and evening will I pray to God, the psalmist says. Fixed times, specific times. Not the only time, but make it happen. Make it a spiritual discipline of calling out to God in prayer. Have a prayer list. Pray through the members of your church. Pray through every name each morning. Work your way through the directory and pray for your members, for the members of your church, your brothers and sisters here. Pray for those that you have struggles with. Pray for those that you have problems with, that you have this, whatever it might be, between a brother or a co-worker or a family or a friend or neighbor, whoever it may be. Pray for them. This summer in early August, our family and I had the opportunity of being out at family week. 
And in the men's class one morning, we were discussing this thing of praying. And uh, we were discussing, I'm sorry, not discussing the thing of praying, we were discussing the thing of, we were talking about doing church and the brotherhood and, and really taking time to invest and to care to, for the brotherhood and being there for each other. And I really appreciated the honesty of the one, the one brother in the class. He spoke up, he said, hey, he said, I'm just going to be honest. He said, I'm a business owner, I'm busy, I have a lot of time, I mean, a lot of, a lot of things to do, I don't have a lot of time. And he said, frankly, he said, I don't have that level of desire to really invest deeply in my church, in my brotherhood. And he said, how do I fix that? How do I get that corrected to where I really care that I want to? And I, like I said, I was, I was impressed with his honesty because I think that's a struggle for all of us. And somebody else said, he said, start by praying for them. He said, if you want to develop a heart of care and sympathy and really caring for your brotherhood, he said, start praying for them by name. Everybody within your congregation, he said, your heart of care and the desire to walk with them will grow. Pray for each other. Pray for each other because not only is it our concern, your concern for yourself in the latter days, but it should be the concern for the brotherhood, for each other, that we will remain faithful to the Word of God. The discipline of prayer. Another discipline that I think about is the discipline of fasting. Luke 5.35, Jesus says, but, in the days, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. Then shall they fast in those days. Are we living in those days that Jesus referenced? He's not with us. We're called to fast. So I encourage you to develop a routine, a regular time of fasting. Develop a time of fasting. Make it a part of your, your month, your week, whatever it might be, that you take the opportunity of developing the spiritual activity, spiritual discipline of fasting. Maybe it's not just fasting from food. Maybe you should develop the spiritual routine of fasting from technology. Maybe fasting from your phone. Maybe fasting from music. Maybe fasting from screen time or from social media or news feeds. Whatever it may be, but doing the self-discipline, the sacrifice of cutting something off for a period of time to draw your heart closer to God the discipline of fasting, praise and worship, singing, very important, very vital. This is something that I love about our culture. I love about our church is that we have the opportunity to engage together in singing. I love that. It's very valuable that we have that opportunity. Psalm 145 verses 1 through 5 says, I will extol thee, O my God. I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Verse 2, he says, Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. We see the greatness of God. We see the glory of God. We see the majesty of God all around us. Do we take the time to praise and to worship him, to adore him for the beauty, for the wonderful blessings that we get to partake from the hand of God? Ensuring, verse 2, he says, Every day will I praise thee. Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. If we do not make it an intentional point in our day to praise God, most likely it won't happen. If we don't make it an intentional 
habit where we, where we set the time aside, where we set a specific time, we set an alarm for whatever it may be, to praise God, making it intentional, developing that routine, that habit, it won't happen. And God has blessed us in so many ways. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our honor. He is worthy of our adoration. Another routine that we see in the life of Jesus that I think is very, very valuable and applicable to us is we see the routine of silence and solitude. The habit of silence and solitude. Jesus said in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, He said unto them, He said, Come ye apart, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Now all of a sudden you're with me. Ah, yeah. Going to the cabin regularly, that's a good idea. See, that's a spiritual discipline that I... I'm sorry. That's not where we're going with this. I believe it is important as Christians, that we develop healthy habits, healthy rhythms of engagement and withdrawal. And what I mean by that, if we look at the life of Jesus, when he was engaged in his teaching, in his ministering, in his working with the people, he was fully engaged in that work. And then there was times where he was fully disengaged, where he withdrew and was by himself with the Father, by himself in prayer. Very intentional at times of engagement and withdrawal, where we have the capacity to fully engage in the work that God has called us to, fully engage in what is before us, but then we rest and we recharge in times of withdrawal as well. I'm not just talking about necessarily pleasure or leisure. I think that's, that's important, that we take care of our bodies, we take care of our physical health as well. But I'm talking about intentional time of coming before, the God, before God an extended period of time, and just being before God in solitude, in silence, in prayer, in reading God's Word, more than our normal routine. Brother Merle Burkholder, who has invested many, many years in ministry in Canada, he testifies, he tells, he, in discussing this one time, he said every quarter, once four times a year, he would take a day of solitude. And he said when he was involved in heavy ministry and the work in Canada, he said those days of solitude were his lifeblood. He said it was where he was able to realign his focus, where he was able to step out of all that was going on, all the activity, and he was able just to focus on God, reflect on himself, reflect on the struggles that he was facing, take time for his personal spiritual health. Times of solitude, of praise, of study, of prayer, of self-reflection, healthy rhythms of full engagement and withdrawal. There's many other disciplines we could talk about this morning. Spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines, we could talk about the importance of church attendance, we could talk about the importance of tithing, we could talk about the importance of family time, we could talk about all kinds of other spiritual disciplines, spiritual habits. But they're vital, they're important, they're necessary. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Exercise yourself unto godliness. Give heed to the doctrine. Continue in them. Now, as I referenced earlier, anything that is done regularly, anything that we do routinely, has the potential to become boring, has the potential to become monotonous, has the potential to lose the power that it once held. But what I want you to think about is that it, that does not mean that the practice is no longer valuable. 
That doesn't mean that the practice is no longer valuable. It means that we need to be intentional and we need to be creative in breathing new life into it. Mix it up a little bit. Think about new ways to do it that would bring more life into it. Not necessarily not throwing aside the practice, but what do I need to do differently? Or why do I struggle with this? Why is it boring to me? I have, I have taken the opportunity, I think some of you, I, I really enjoy, some of you might know, I really enjoy bike riding. I, ride, I enjoy riding my bike to work. And over the summertime when the weather is nice, probably four days out of the week, I ride my bike to work. And I really enjoy that. Even though it's beautiful, it's something I enjoy, there are mornings where I get up and I'm like, I don't feel like riding to work this morning. I, it's just I, the same road to work, the same road back from work, and there's horse droppings out there all the time. It has the potential to lose the zeal and the zest that it once had. But oftentimes, when I find myself at that place and I force myself to do it, usually about three quarters of the way into the ride, I'm like, this is fun. This is enjoyable. This is necessary. I, I, I like the exercise. I like the fresh air. I like the opportunity to be out in creation. And so when you push yourself forward, push yourself to do it anyway, oftentimes you'll find that God has something there for you when you push through. A couple tips I want to give you real quick. As we, we talked about many spiritual disciplines this morning, many spiritual habits. And I would not advise you to say, okay, I'm going to start all seven of those, all eight of those, whatever Michael said this morning. I'm going to start doing all of them today. No, you'll become discouraged. I encourage you to think of one thing, one spiritual discipline, one spiritual habit that you're not currently doing or that you are doing but has fallen, had been doing and it fell by the wayside and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to develop this into a habit. We've seen the acronym or maybe you've seen the acronym used already of the idea of developing SMART goals. It's an acronym for SMART is that they are specific, they are measurable, they're achievable, they're relevant, and they're time-bound. And what that means is that you can actually develop a way of tracking of whether or not you're doing it. I was involved with uh, Faith Builders. They, they had a, a two-year program called Servant Institute, and they talked a lot about this idea of regular rhythms and developing habits. And one of the habits that I chose to develop was I wanted to drink more water at work. Not a spiritual habit, I know, but just, just a habit that I wanted to develop because I was not, I didn't feel I was drinking enough of water at work. And so I determined that I want to drink two quarts of water at work. When I'm at work, when I'm there at work, I want to drink two quarts of water. I want to drink one quart before lunchtime and one quart after lunchtime. And I developed a chart that I could check, literally check off. Yes, I drank my water. No, I didn't drink my water. And I could review that. That's the idea of developing a habit. Now anymore at work, I don't have the chart anymore, but I'm still drinking the water because it has become a habit. It has been developed in my brain as a habit where it has formed a very strong link that the first thing I do after I punch in, the next thing I do at work is I fill my bottle with water for the morning. And at lunchtime, again, that bottle gets, well, actually gets filled up more. Somehow it's, it's grown into more like, I don't know, four quarts at work. It seems to stretch out. But anyway, I am meeting that goal of drinking the water because it was very specific, it was very measurable. That's how you develop a new habit. It needs to be specific, it needs to be measurable, and it takes time. Research tells us that it takes time to develop a habit. You could you Google how long does it take to develop a habit, you'll get anywhere from 18 to 254 days. I don't know how long exactly it takes. It depends on who you are. It depends on the type of habit you're looking to develop, but it takes time. Somewhere around the two-month range, it'll be a habit. 
and it'll be a part of what your part of your daily lifestyle daily lifestyle. So I'm proposing to you this morning, I'm suggesting to you this morning that if we want to ensure that we keep the faith, we don't want to lose the faith in the latter times. If we want to have developed the stamina that we need to face the suffering that we were talking about this morning that might come our way, it's going to start now with being willing to deny ourselves and developing spiritual habits in our Christian walk. If we're not willing to develop spiritual habits, not willing to develop the spiritual rhythms needed to maintain our Christian walk now, we can't suppose that we'll be able to stand when, tempta- when, when suffering and trials come our way. We have to develop these spiritual habits now to give us the strength to develop the stamina that is needed for whatever may come our way, that we are rooted and grounded in God's Word. Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, he says, Take heed unto thyself, unto the doctrine, continue in them. Do those things over and over and over, desiring to lead your heart to God, desiring to lead your mind, renewing your mind through the self-denial the living sacrifice of spiritual disciplines, of spiritual habits. I encourage you, I know many of you are doing many of these things already, and I encourage you to continue on, to strengthen that routine, to strengthen that desire. Don't lay it aside just because it loses potential, you have to push through, or loses that, that enjoyment, but continue on in developing spiritual habits so that when it comes to the latter times, we don't fall away. We don't lose our way. Don't lose the gospel. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to gather here this morning, to gather and to hear your, to, to look into your word and to think about your word and to be taught in the Sunday school time and through the singing. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we have of coming to church in this way and the freedom that we have in this country. God, we don't know what the road looks like ahead, but God, I pray that you'll give us the strength to do the hard work of ensuring that we are prepared for whatever comes our way. I pray, God, that as we talked about spiritual habits this morning, that you would give us the courage, the strength to continue in them, to continue in your word and continue in these spiritual disciplines to bring us closer to you each and every day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.